0: Me invite you to open your Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter five. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for songs to sing about your kindness, your goodness, and the way that we can respond to you by by speaking of our love for you. We recognize that the reason we love you is because you first loved us. You have given us the capacity by your Spirit to love pray that you'd help us to love you more. Help us as we read your word, study your word, and worship you in the word this morning, that you would capture our attention and teach us, help us to yield to you in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A number of years ago, I took a trip with a couple of other guys Doug Lincoln and Tom O'Connell, we traveled to West Virginia, to the upper Gauley River. It was a big deal. Uh, it was a big deal to get there, but they made it a big deal as well, the, the facility that hosted us. The night before, we went through all kinds of training and instruction, watching some videos, and they, they gave us all kinds of guidelines, precautions, and of course, the waiver am I going to die? well we signed our lives away and the next morning we woke up early ate a hearty breakfast and put on our equipment we jumped on a bus and headed off and during that ride the instructors instructors pressed those warnings emphatically upon us more and I was sitting there thinking what am I doing? (laughs) why am I doing this? then we arrived at the river we unloaded off the buses, we loaded onto the rafts, we were heading down the river, and at that point, I settled down. Like, it was peaceful. Rafting down a river, looking at the beautiful things that God has made, talking with your friends, and everything was just quite nice. Now, the Upper Ghali River, at certain seasons and on certain dates is classified as expert-level rafting. And of course, we chose that as our time for taking this trip. Of course, I am. I am an expert, because one time when I was a preteen, I went whitewater rafting. Before head into each of five danger zones, the guide would pull the raft off to the side, and he would give you a little bit of information about how this particular set of rapids functioned. He would tell you, okay, we're, we're headed to the right side here. Um, it, 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 there's a dip in the middle. He would give us instructions. Um, I would listen carefully for my voice. I'm going to tell you when to paddle on the right side of the raft, when to paddle on the left side of the raft. But he was the expert. We were just a bunch of fools doing this. Thank you. We were navigate through the first three or four of those danger zones, and you build confidence with each one. I can't remember if it was the third or the fourth set, or even the fifth set. I, I I think it was probably the fourth set of these danger zones. We went off to the side, and the guide told us, all right, you don't want to fall out during this set of rapids. If you fall out, you will not catch the raft until the other side of the rapid. So if you fall out make sure your feet are first and let the water do its work and take you to the other side and we'll hopefully pick up your living carcass on the other side of it. I'm very confident in my stability. I am heavy and I have pretty good balance. I'm not upgraded a lot of things but balance is one thing I'm fairly decent with so I get myself buried in this thing. I, I'm strapped in. I've got uh, a hand on, uh, on on my paddle, and I'm doing my thing. And we get into the to this the heart of this rapid, and, and there's a lull in the middle of it. So all the water kind of dumps and swirls in this one area. So you you, you kind of get your your raft in there. And what happened was, all at once, the the raft bent in because of the the, the the pressure of the water and then it popped out and I was in the middle of this baby. All 200 and some odd pounds of me came flying out of that thing. I land in the middle of this rapids and I'm thinking, he said not to fall out here. (laughs) I whacked my shin on a boulder that was in the water. I'm thinking, ah, that doesn't feel good. And, And you start to think, I love Amy and I love Alexis and I love Andrew and I love Aiden and I didn't have the others, so I didn't know about them. I love them too, and I love all my church family, my mom and my dad. My mom probably didn't want me to go, right? She's not in here, she can't even enjoy this. All this takes place and, and I remember he's you're not catching the raft. Well I come up out of the water and there it is. It's like still there. So I, I start like flailing and the Dugs. Strong arm comes over and yanks me back in the thing, and I'm in, the, I'm in and, and we get through, and we're on the other side. And at the same time, Tom O'Connell also, you know, went, went overboard, and we helped him back in. Everyone was safe, everyone, no, you know, minor, minor pain and all of that good stuff, and, and a lot of drama. We made it to the other side of the, uh, the rapid. After a few minutes, after you settle down, it's like, man, that was a lot of fun, Going with the rapids, there's something uh, thrilling and enjoyable about going with the rapids. Imagine trying to take that same raft and go up the rapid. Now, if you look at the websites, they classify these rapids at this time of year as five-plus which is like five is the danger zone, five plus. You're not going to get up that rapid in a raft. It's just not going to happen. The current is too strong. It's fun, but trying to go against it doesn't work. You'd get swept away. Now, I want for us to see this idea of current. And the Apostle Paul, led by the Spirit of God, wrote some inspired truth for us that talks about our spiritual life. And he doesn't use the word current, but you'll see what I mean as we read the text, that we have some currents that are going in opposite directions. Here we are in Galatians chapter 5, take a look beginning in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Our natural affections, which we can call in this text the flesh, our natural affections often seek the easiest way. Our natural affections often seek the easiest way. But this text tells us that God the Holy Spirit counters our natural affections. Last week we discussed that we are our own worst enemy when it comes to sinful passions. We also noted that the solution that God offers is Himself. He offers Himself as a solution. Now, as we approach this text again this morning, what we want to notice is that when we are living or walking empowered by the Spirit, He enables us to ward off our natural sinful affections. So we'll say it this way for our first main idea. The Spirit is able to prevent us from acting on our sinful passions. The Spirit is able to prevent us from acting on our sinful passions. He says in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit. This is in the present tense, which means keep on walking. It's an active, which means you're responsible. You're to walk by the Spirit. And it's an imperative. It's It's a command. You and I are to live or operate day by day, minute by minute, walking empowered by the Spirit. What is the result of that in verse 16? He says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh, again, we were just kind of giving it a name. The flesh is our natural affections. The things that drive us. He says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The word desire can be translated rightly lusts and he uses another word here he says you will not gratify you will not gratify the word comes from the greek word teleo which means to complete to complete walk by the spirit and you will not complete the desires of the flesh i have an illustration that is 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 a picture, and, and it, it's audible and visible, okay? So bear with me as I, as I try to do this. First, I want to point you to tell you that in this wall over here, you can't see it on this side, there's an electrical outlet, okay? I want to ask you, is that electrical outlet, does it have a brain? Does it think? Does it discriminate? So if, if I were to take this paper clip right now, I'm not going to, Relax. If I were to take this paperclip and stick it into the receptacle, would it say, Oh, there's foolish Rob sticking a paperclip into me? No. It would say, I have charge. I will send said charge through this wire. That's what it does. It does it unless the, the circuit is tripped for some reason. It doesn't have a brain, it just functions. Now, That was just a little illustration. You couldn't see that one. But when I take one of these fancy things and I plug it in, the charge that is in that receptacle goes through the wire and it enters into this circular saw. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's suppose you pulled the trigger and it didn't work. Would you leave it plugged in and start taking the screws out, pulling it apart, and messing with it. Would you do that? Why? Because the load that's in the electrical receptacle has transferred, and this baby is hot. Okay? Does not, it doesn't have temperature. It's live. So you wouldn't take it apart and start messing with it unless you either tripped the circuit breaker or you pulled the plug. When the electricity is transferred through the wire and into the device, when you press the trigger, oh, it's got a safety. Nice. The circular saw works. This is what we want, okay? We want to read Galatians 5.16, and we want to read that the Spirit pulled the plug... we can't sin this is what we want but that's not what the text says the text does not say if you walk in the spirit there'll be no competing desires what it says is if you and i walk by the spirit the spirit can keep you from pulling the trigger there's still life in this baby Not right now because I unplugged it. But if it were still plugged in, there's still life in this thing. If I press the safety mechanism and pull the trigger, it's going to fire. A believer that has come to know Christ as their Savior still has natural affections flooding through their body, through their mind. Their heart is filled with natural affections and it's competing against the things of God. Walking by the Spirit, folks, does not eliminate competing desires. Walking by the Spirit enables the Spirit to make it so that we don't press the trigger and act upon those natural affections. Look again at what it says so we can see this again. Verse 16, what I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Our natural affections are still actively pressing us away from righteousness. Do you hear that? You knew that, didn't you? Did you know that you're not the only one that struggles with natural affections? You come to church and you see other people, and they have on Sunday faces. Sunday faces are happy faces, right? And you have they have on their Sunday clothes and their Sunday. Here we are. We're here to worship God. And how how is everything going? You know, everything's going great. Things are good. This is how we communicate to one another. And, and you don't know because they're not telling you that all the same types of affections that infested your mind this last week infested theirs as well. None of us have arrived at a place where we are all spiritual all the time. God's Word gives us warnings. This is why, take a look with me at, at this passage, Colossians chapter 3. Take a look at Colossians 3. This is why God tells believers that we have some responsibility about how we deal with our affections. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, he's speaking to a group of believers when he says in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Well, what, is, what do you mean by what is earthly? Well, put to death my lungs, as then I'll surely be put to death. Put to death my heart. Well, I'll surely be dead at that point. He's talking about affections. He's talking about the same thing that we're talking about from Galatians chapter 5, which is the desires, the the, the, the desires that drive us as individuals toward types of activity. He says, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality is an example, impurity is an example. Evil passions are an example. Evil desire is an example. Covetousness is an example, because that's idolatry. So he gives us this little sample list, and then later on he talks about that, which is anger and wrath and malice and slander and these kinds of things. So he starts to be very specific about what he's telling us to put to death. Why would God have to tell me, a Christian, to put to death my affections? Because they're still there. Don't think that because you are a Christian that all the negative things in your life are going to go away and all of the passions, the negative passions that you have will go away. Don't even think, folks, ready? Don't even think that just because you're a Christian, walking in the Spirit, reading your Bible, and praying, and going to church, and serving in a church are going to make the natural affections go away. It will not. They're still there. Which is why Paul said... If you walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify, complete the desires of the flesh. That doesn't mean the desires of the flesh are gone. Which is why also he tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, You will live. What is he talking about putting to death the deeds of the body? Natural affections. So here you are. You're in your house. And you're doing the dishes. And one of your children takes one of the supper plates. And they put it on the edge of the counter. And it flips off. And the spaghetti and its sauce go all over the floor. And the plate breaks And then one of the other kids comes charging around the corner and is about to step onto that stuff and go sliding across and cut their foot open. And you start to, you know, settle things. Hey, stop, stop. There's nothing wrong with saying stop. There's nothing wrong with the intensity. But you know what? There's also this other thing that comes into our minds where we start to get angry. Why are we angry? I've told you a hundred times not to put plates on the corner of the thing. I told you to put it on the counter. All kinds of things can take place. Now, this is not a live thing. Situation that I'm reenacting. I'm just, it's a theoretical, so you don't have to start going and making sure my children are all okay. All of us have events that take place in our lives where here we are. Everything's fine. We're walking in the Spirit and some action happens and there's a, there's an immediate reaction within us. The Spirit can enable me not to turn this simple situation into a sinful situation. You might have... Uh, this this thought of anger arise in your mind. You know what the Spirit can do is say that's not equal to what you've learned of Christ. Cast down that imagination, along with every other lofty thought that that competes with the obedience of Christ. Cast it down, and if if that. Anger flash comes into your head and you say, no, thank you, Lord. Help me not to be frustrated. Hey, kids, step back. We've got to clean this up. You know what the Spirit just did? He allowed you not to complete the desires of your flesh because the Spirit can help us to put to death the deeds of the body. You know, we can become very discouraged about our continual dealing with sinfulness. Okay? Don't you get discouraged at times? Like, man, I should be beyond this at this point. I shouldn't, get, I shouldn't be so easily um, diverted off of truth uh, when, when something so simple happens. I think all of us can get weary battling our own sinfulness. But I want to remind you of something. The battle for our affections reveals spiritual life. The battle... For our affections reveals spiritual life. What what do I mean? Well, first of all, back in the book of Galatians, head back there please, the text talks about this a little bit, but let me remind you of the difference between going with the currents and going against the currents. A person's born into this life and they just go around and they just live life. They're going with the current. They go where the current takes them. There's no battle there. They just go with it. That doesn't mean they don't ever have any um, moral dilemmas. They don't ever, you know, it doesn't bother them when some, some rage comes out of them. I'm not saying that there's none of that. We'll talk about that in just a moment the difference between human conscience and the Holy Spirit. But if, if we just coast on like everything's fine and there's never an opposition, I would be much more concerned about that. I would be much more concerned if I didn't ever feel a a push in the other direction against the way that I I act. The the very conflict and battle in our soul is a revelation of spiritual life, which is what, back in Galatians 5.17, he's telling us, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. So if you have both the spirit and the flesh, they're not going to get along. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So, here you are walking in the Spirit, and your flesh is opposing the thing you want to do. And the other way around is, here you are walking in the flesh, and you're frustrated, and, and, and you're, you're about to act on something in the Spirit, saying, that's not what you ought to do. You need to go this direction. And so there's this inner turmoil and that tells you there's more than, than one king that wants to sit on the throne. Well, the alternative to that is much worse, is to only have one king. Because none of us in this life will have that thing completely unplugged, where our natural affections won't try to get the better of us. And so having two kings, while we don't want it, It is part of the process of this life. Conscience is not the same as the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There are moral codes that are built into us. For instance, people born, it doesn't matter what culture they're in. You might think that this isn't true, but it doesn't matter what culture they're born in. People know that murder is wrong. That doesn't mean they can't suppress the truth at some point at a very young age holding guns and killing people at early ages. I'm not saying that they can't do that. But no one is born thinking that murder is okay. No one thinks that stealing is okay. And no one thinks that being cruel to other people is okay. Again, we can learn to suppress that truth. We can learn to suppress it and act in a certain way because we've, we've an environment and a will to do what is naturally something that's written on our hearts how do I know it's, it's written in our hearts well look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 we're in Galatians we're going to come right back so keep something there but take a look at Romans chapter 2 for a second you're going to go through 2nd and 1st Corinthians and over to Romans Romans chapter 2 let's take a look at verse 14 and 15 For when Gentiles who do not have the law, meaning God having given them the Ten Commandments specifically and directly to them, for when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. You hear the excuse, excuse, that's suppressing the truth. Oh yeah, no, that's, it's not, you know, this, this is the culture we live in. If someone takes my bread, I take their bread. If someone hurts my family, I hurt their family. You know, th- th- that can happen. That environment can, can, can come and we can retrain our brain. But coming out of the womb, people know when you punch someone in the face, that's probably not a good idea. It's natural. We're wired with moral codes. The conscience reveals the, forgive this word, wrongness of an action. Conscience reveals the wrongness of an action. Conscience can be misguided. In fact, you know, we can come up with some kind of moral standards that have no basis in truth, and we can we can establish some other list of rules that really aren't true. So so conscience, conscience is natural, conscience is learned conscience points to something being wrong so you feel maybe guilt when you do this violation, whatever it is, whether that, that conscience is against something that is actually wrong or something that we thought was wrong. Do you know the difference between the conscience convicting against something that, that we thought was wrong? For instance, let, let's suppose you intended to steal someone, something of someone else's, Okay? So you, here you are. You 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 see this thing, and you're like, man, I'd, I'd really like to have one of those. And you and you steal it, and you and you bring it home, and you, then later on you find out that like it really was yours in the first place. Well, that doesn't exonerate you from the guilt of having you intended to steal something. You're still you're still guilty of that, even though that item itself was was yours. Conscience can be violated in various ways. Now, the a, a couple of differences, not all of the differences, but a, but. A couple of differences between the conscience and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals that an act is an act of rebellion against God. It doesn't just point out, hey, this is wrong. The Holy Spirit says, you have sinned against God. Not just done something wrong, you've sinned against God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit always works in accordance with truth. The conscience can be wrong. The Holy Spirit never is. So when we look at Galatians chapter 5 and we we see, okay, there's this this war going back and forth between my fleshly affections, my, my natural affections, and the Spirit, just because I have a conscience that something is wrong is not telling me, okay, the Spirit dwells in me so I'm good to go. When When you recognize that an action is in violation against God himself, that means that the Spirit of God now is showing you the the true depth of your sinfulness. The experience of this battle, while we might hate it, is good news. It's good news to have the Spirit telling me, showing me that I am in sin. The absence of this battle is would be horrible news. So here you are, and I don't know, I don't know what your own situation is, but you've been going through this last week, doing whatever it is you're doing, and and you've had whatever internal battles going on that you've been having going on, and maybe you've been wearied of it. I want to encourage you, if, if God the Spirit is telling you, showing you, your sin, your sin is against God, the encouraging element is, that means that there's spiritual life in you. Rejoice, folks. Rejoice. Don't rejoice in your sinfulness. Don't rejoice in your, in your corruption. Rejoice in a God who, despite your sinfulness, still actively works in you. There's a third element we'll want to notice. And that's this. The Holy Spirit enables us to fulfill the demands of the law. When I say the law, what am I talking about? Anything that the Bible says you should do, that you do. Or anything the Bible says you shouldn't do, that you don't do. The law is anything the Bible says to do or not to do. That's how you can use that, that's how I'm using that term in this point. The Holy Spirit enables us to fulfill the demands of the law. So back in Galatians 5, look at what it says in verse 18. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Being led by the Spirit is another expression for walking by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit, uh, the term led there has the idea of leading by accompanying accompanying someone to a place. It's used in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 about Jesus bringing many sons unto glory. So the, the concept has the idea of accompanying someone else to a particular place. Now, many of the uses of the word lead are used about people that are being brought before rulers or brought to prison. So a lot of times the lead is something very negative where they took these people and brought them before the magistrates. That, that kind of leading. I don't think that's the context here in, in Galatians chapter 5 as though the Spirit's going to grab you and bring you and say, hey, here you are. That's not the concept. I, but I do think we learn a little bit about those usages. I think it shows a little bit about the impact that's going on when being spoken of, being led by the Spirit. There's, there's more to it than, yeah, well, you know, he's over here somewhere doing something while I walk along. There, there's much more power and impact that's involved. And I want to illustrate that by looking at another text of Scripture. You're in Galatians. Take a right to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Being led by the Spirit is to be empowered by Almighty God Himself. In Colossians 1, beginning in verse 9, we have a very clear demonstration of this. As Paul says, is praying for the church. And he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Listen carefully. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. He's talking about, he's praying for them that they would know what God wants from them. Well, where do you figure that out? You know what God wants from you as you look at what the Bible says, right? He wants them to be controlled by the spirit of truth. And he says, when you're controlled by that knowledge, the, the, the knowledge of God's will and God's word, You will walk in a worthy manner. There will be fruit evidenced in your life. And he doesn't leave it there. I'm so thankful. In verse 11 he says, And be strengthened according to His glorious power. Now, if you just take a moment to consider some illustration of God's power. If you believe God's word then you know that God spoke the world into existence. If you believe that God created the world, you know that when in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light, that actually happened. And when God decided to, to gather all the waters of the sea into, into its appropriate boundaries instead of overflowing the lands, you think, wow, like, that's That's impossible. Like we can't control water to that magnitude where it recedes off of the land and it stays in its proper boundaries. We try, and sometimes we're pretty miserable failures. You could think of a flood here many years ago and and the flooding down in New Orleans a number of years ago. We can't control these things, but God can. That's the power that God is saying. Is available within us to do what? To keep us from pulling the trigger. The natural affections are there. Your natural affections will lead you away from what the Bible says and away from God Himself. The natural affections do this. And the Spirit, there He is. Don't pull the trigger. Still charged, still ready, still amped. Don't pull the trigger. Well, to, to what end? Take a look back at the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. What does that power do? It keeps me from gratifying the desires of the flesh. That's what it says in verse 16. So the question we must answer for ourselves, well, what degree does this have? Like, To, to what degree can God's Spirit keep me from engaging in the sinful affections. What kinds of affections can the Spirit of God shut off? Keep me from pulling the trigger. Well, the text answers the question. Verse 19. We're in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. What types of affections can the Spirit keep me from pulling the trigger on? Well, in verse 19, it's sexual immorality. It says... Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. So all three of those terms have to do with sexual immorality. And the text, the context of this is saying the, the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh. There's a natural amount of passion towards sexual immorality. And the spirit, while he does not remove sexually, immorally, uh, sexually immoral uh, thoughts and temptations can keep us from pulling the trigger. Well, he goes on and gives us some more types of affections that the spirit can, can, uh, can control in our lives. And that is in verse 20, idolatry and sorcery. He says idolatry and sorcery. There it is. Uh, this morning during our Sunday school hour, we were talking about idolatry. Right? We, there, was, there, there are all kinds of things that, that can serve as idols of our hearts. Only the Spirit of God can break the power of idolatry from me. That's it. This, that's the only resource I have. That doesn't mean that my heart won't continually seek idols. We are idol-making folks. We're like an idol-making factory all the time. This, this idol to that idol. This sports thing. This food item. This materialistic possession. This person. This group of people. We are, we are idol-making factories. Only the Spirit can break the power of idolatry in our heart. He goes and tells us about another type of affection that the Spirit can short-circuit, and that is dissension. And he uses several terms to describe it in verses... Uh, in verse 20 and going into verse 21 he says enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions and envy all of these kinds of things the spirit of god can break the power of them that doesn't mean that they're not there ready to come out you ever jealous of someone else you ever think man that guy's house is nicer than mine i'd really like that house that guy's motorcycle is better than my motorcycle. I like that motorcycle. I like that guy's car. Hey, that, you know, you can run it right out. All kinds of different affections that, that we might want what someone else has. That's, that's inside of our heart. You know, you know who can break us from that? The Spirit. Does that mean that those passions will never arise again? That's not what this text says. This text says... He can keep you from completing or gratifying the desires of the flesh. There's another one in verse 21, substance abuse. Substance abuse. Look what it says. Drunkenness and orgies. The word orgies, you have your own thought in your mind. It has the idea of a drinking party more so than what you might have in your mind. And then he, he does this for us. This is, I love this about God's word. So here we are, so you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't really, I'm not a drunk and I don't, I'm not really into the, the orgy scene and, and I'm, I'm really not, um, th- these things, you know, I'm, I'm not one that has fits of anger, that's not my thing and, and you know, I'm not really jealous of it, I've got enough, I, I, I'm okay. Uh, you, you can go through all these things, uh, well, I'm not into sexual immorality or impurity or sensuality, that's not my thing. You know what this says? And things like these. <laughs> go for it. You got no affection that's contrary to God's word and God's will? Like every one of us. Well, I'm not as bad as those people over there. That's not really the point, is it? Are we comparing ourselves amongst ourselves? God says that's not wise. He says the Spirit of God can eliminate the completion of the natural affections, whether your affections have to do with drunkenness or something else. The Holy Spirit will not pull the plug in this life of our affections but he can't enable us not to pull the trigger. The Christian life is both wonderful in one sense and terrifying in another. Wonderful in this sense. There is a day coming, there's a day coming when all of these natural affections will be no more. Our striving will be ceased. We will no longer fight ourselves or each other. We will be whole. We will be like him, for we will see him as he is. That's the wonderful news. Here's the terrifying news. Until that day, we will struggle with our own affections. You're no different. If you think you have no struggle in your affections, I have worse news for you. If there's no struggle in your affections, it's because the Spirit of God is not in you. And that's worse news than the struggle itself. The struggle is bad enough. But to not have the Spirit of God inside of us, that is eternally and damning news. Dealing with our inner man can seem like we're paddling up the rapids. Well, you know that's a losing battle. You can't do it. But the good news is the one who can paddle upstream in a raft dwells in you if you know Jesus as your Savior. There is no current that he cannot counter. This is where it's so sad for our world who who, who says, well, well, they were just born this way. They were just born this way. Well, okay, um, their natural affections are messed up like mine. My natural affections are no better and no worse than theirs. Our natural affections, many times, are just really skewed and corrupt according to God's plan. And the power that dwells in me to compete against those natural affections can, in fact, counter the patterns in them as well. We don't want to accept those currents that drive us away from God and the truth. We want currents that counter it. And I can tell you, God himself can do that. That is what this text is telling us. Next week when we get together, we're going to see what positively the, the Spirit produces in our lives. But remember... Here we are this morning talking about the, the spirit can counter the negative fleshly affections, right? And next week we're going to talk about the positive things that the spirit can produce. Know this as well, okay? As we're seeking to see the spirit produce the fruit of love, joy, peace, etc. in our lives, guess what the spirit's doing? Oh, no, I'm not going to love that guy. I will not be at peace with that one. I will not bear with this one. The the flesh fights against what the Spirit can, wants to produce. Positively, the Spirit can produce things. Our flesh counters. Negatively, the flesh wants to produce something else, and the Spirit counters. This is the battle. Remember this. Remember this from... From many Old Testament illustrations, the battle is the Lord's. Let me ask you, has he ever lost one? He hasn't. He doesn't have to, he will not lose one. We can allow him to win this victory in our lives, which is what this text is telling us. Walk by the Spirit. You will not complete, gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for what you have provided. Thank you for the power of your spirit. Thank you for the truth of your word. I pray, Father, for anyone here that may be really, really struggling with their own passions and maybe even feels helpless. Father, I pray that you might show them that you can solve this hopelessness you can give them hope not simply to overcome a competing interest or some sinfulness but that you can provide them with forgiveness from that sin and life eternally that they can know that someday that that, that passion will be removed forever and i pray father for any believer in here that that has trusted christ and has been struggling with the natural affections. Help us, Father, that we would not not feel alone in our struggle, but to know that you, through your Spirit, dwell in us to keep us from doing the things that our flesh wants to do. Help us not to yield our natural affections, but to yield to your spirit, and that you might produce glorious, beautiful fruit that shows forth how great you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.